attention, please. Stop walking while I'm squawking. All aboard. Hi, everybody. And hello, hello, hello. This is Gen D, the podcast all about all things Disney. Uh, you can probably tell already that it's just me, Dana, this week. Adam is out of town. We are kind of ships passing in the night right now. He's got a crazy schedule. I've got another crazy schedule, so it might be a minute until we can reconnect on the podcast. But in the meantime, I figured it would be really fun to have a few other of our good fan favorites on, and who better than our unpaid intern, Ryan! Do I qualify as a fan favorite? Well, I qualify you as a fan favorite. It feels like an overqualification. Now I'm nervous. Well, I mean, look, you're my husband, so I'm your biggest fan, and so therefore you're a fan favorite. Oh, well, big fan of the show. Thanks for having me. And also, we have uh, our assistant, Marla Pooch, here just sitting next to me on the couch. So if uh, any any fun dog noises creep into this episode, you're welcome. Any um, gas leaks, as we call them, she is a good tutor so highly possible and she's facing your way so good luck in unpaid intern over there i am in the uh the path of fire here you are well folks ryan and i were talking about um our recent trip that we just did to disney world in january and how fun it was and we do the same kind of trip more or less every couple of years and i was talking to ryan about what it's like to have kind of our non-negotiables are like top must-dos every time we go to Disney World. And Disneyland's a little different for us because we go pretty much every other weekend. So we were talking about what is it like when you go on a Disney World vacation and for us, the Johnstons, what are those top five non-negotiable must-do things on every Disney trip? So we figured you guys might want to hear what we have to say. And we're also going to pass that same requirement off to the Seacrest family. So you'll hear from Adam and Kurt on their top five must-dos every Disney World trip. But I guess we should just get right on into it, right, Ryan? Sure. Why not? Okay. Well, do you want, I'll start one and then you go and give me yours. I should be clear. We have not cross-referenced our lists. That is correct. I I did grab a couple uh, alternate options just in the event we happen to overlap yeah. Which, you know, is always possible because we both have good taste, let's be honest. But uh, yeah, I, I, I say you kick it off. Let's see what you got. Okay, well, my number one, and this is going to surprise, definitely not surprise you, but pretty much surprise no one. Uh, my number one is that every time I go to Disney World, I have to see Carousel of Progress. It's non-negotiable. I have to go. I, in fact, left you and our daughter at the Jungle Cruise Line so I could go do the Carousel of Progress by myself. That is accurate information. Yeah. (laughs) I knew there was no way we were going to be able to fly back to Los Angeles without you having done that. So when when it looked like maybe it wasn't going to work out in the day, it was like, Dana, go. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. It is my favorite. It's been one of my favorites I I think my earliest memory was not when I was like super little of going on this attraction, but probably I think I was probably 11 or 12. And I went on a trip with my parents. I was 11. I was in fifth grade. And I remember being like, what is this ride? I didn't know anything. I didn't know its history. It's you basically sit in a rotating theater and you see four different sequences that talk through like the different turns of the century. It starts with the turn of the century and it goes through the different times of progress, all narrated by this one guy who, fun fact, is 
Gene Shepard. If you're a Christmas story fan, same narrator. Oh, for sure. Uh, but I was like, what is this? It's so cheesy and weird and like nostalgic, but I not really because I've never seen it. I don't know what it was, but it just really pulled me in and I loved it so much. And it's that's it. I sing the great big beautiful tomorrow song to my daughter before bed almost every single night. I just have to ride this ride. So that that's just me. I would guess if people have never done the Carousel of Progress, they're probably not going to like it. But for me, that's a non-negotiable. Yeah, it could be one of those things where it's like a childhood movie you grow up with that you love so much that you share it with somebody as an adult. You're like, oh, look how amazing this movie is. And, and they're like, uh, okay. It's like, okay, maybe you had to be there. But no, it, it is really fun. It's really sweet. And I mean, I almost, I don't even know if it's accurate to call it a ride. Like, yes, you are riding, you are moving you're in a chair while it's happening. But also it's, it's a show. It's an animatronic. It's a presentation. I would call it an experience. That's Ooh, what I would call I it. Ooh, I like that. Let's just bump it up. It's an experience. <laughs> well, and it's historical. It's uh, from the 1964 World's Fair. For sure. And uh, Walt made it himself. Like he and his Imagineers made a couple of rides. And that was one of them. Mm-hmm. And it's the only one that's in Florida. The other ones that are remaining are still in Disneyland. So it's it's nice. It's nostalgic. I love it. I can't like I shed a little tear every time you and I have like inside jokes from that ride. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We always say like no privacy at all in this place. Especially when this uh, dog's in the room. I know. It's true. Also, you know, it features one of my very favorite things, not only just as far as like a Disney property is concerned, but just in general, which is a like very dated imagination of what the future could be. Oh, I love it. I love it. When they get into that vaguely 90s, like 1992, it feels like um, kind of futuristic present day, uh-huh. quote, present day. Oh, yeah, grandma's off in the corner playing with their VR games again. Oh, my gosh. And it's so bad and cheesy. And then the grandpa says something like, we didn't have car phones in our day. You're just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Oh, I love it. It's, I want to go on it right now. It's pretty great. Yeah. I've, I'm not at all surprised that that was your number one, but I am wholeheartedly into it. Do you remember going on that ride, that attraction, that experience for the first time? It had to have been with me. When we oh, it definitely there. would have been. I mean, was it when we were working there? It I mean, yeah, it would have had to have been because I'd never been there before that. I was probably a lunatic. I was like, I'm going to take you on this ride. You're going to love it. <laughs> yeah, probably. You know, truthfully, I've done it so many times with you that it's hard to even pinpoint <laughs> what the first time would have been. Yeah. But- it's I mean, true. but it's great every time. You, you can't go wrong. It is. All right, Ryan, what's your what's one of your must do's? Right, well, so I, I, I didn't really rank mine at all. I, I just, didn't rank mine either, but that was the first one that came to my head. But but regardless, that was your number one, yeah, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, uh, I get that. So so mine are in, in no particular order, as I, I guess probably the rest of yours will be. But uh, when we were talking about Disney World versus Disneyland, I was trying to differentiate things that you can't just do in Disneyland, mm. because like you said, we go there quite often. And uh, a few things that I think kind of are must-dos in uh, in Orlando, I'm, I might leave out. But the first one, and again, I don't know if this is you know necessarily top of my list, like number one thing I have to do the minute we get there. But it's one of, I think, the most fun things to do, especially if you happen to find yourself there uh, not with, with kids, mm. is, and it might be a little cliche, but drinks around the world, Epcot, come on. Yes, I have something similar. I mean, I'll never forget you and I on our honeymoon. We did like a two-part honeymoon, and the first part was at Disney World. And we did a two-part drinking around the world. Yeah, we definitely had to split it up us. into two days, which I think was wise. It's two of us, and I'm not a 
a large human by any stretch of the imagination. So I was like, I'm not going to kill myself trying to drink 12, 13, 12, 12 places. That's I should a good know question. This. We probably should know that. Um, but, uh, I'm going to look it up right now. But yes, I remember we split it up between two days and mm-hmm. that was necessary, but we did it. We yeah. were successful. I mean, Epcot is so much fun, like as far as the world showcase anyway, because, you know, as cheesy as it can be. And, you know, sometimes that's just part of the deal. Like it is so much fun to get to just kind of, you know, get a little taste of of different cultures and different countries that you, you know, mm-hmm. maybe have never gotten to visit or maybe never will visit or maybe have visited and just want to have, you know, a little, a little reminder of kind of that flavor. But I mean, it was so fun to I mean, when we did it on our honeymoon, which is kind of what I was thinking of that made me, you know, put yeah. this on the list. It was so fun because we were there during the it was the food and wine festival. Yeah. And so it was like, yeah, we were doing our drinks around the world, but we were also getting these cool little, you know, regional snacks as we went to and like starting in Canada and and working our way to uh, England where we had some, you know, delicious gin and tonics there and listen to some Beatles music and then making our way like one of my other favorites was we got to the the Japan Pavilion. I think we had some sake and then some little little hand rolls. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a really fun way to make your way around that park that isn't like just standard classic Disney fare, you know, like yeah. rides and, and shows and and all of that. And like I said, probably not something you'll necessarily do if you go with a whole family and you have a bunch of kids. It's not really going to be conducive to that. But I'm glad you brought that up because that is also on my list. But I couldn't do the whole drinking around the world because I can't do that any longer. Sure. Uh, But I did put getting a drink in Epcot at one of the in the world showcase. So that's that's definitely in my top five. must do's so we kind of have the same one there and for me this last time this technically wasn't in the pavilions but my best drink i got was that cold fashion Mm -hmm. that i've spoken about like 18 times on this podcast good reason yeah it was so good it was a cold brew with the whiskey um so it was like a old-fashioned cold brew oh it was diabolical super solid i also got this like i don't even remember what was in it it was I was by myself. You went on a ride with Ray. I think mm. you took her back to Spaceship Earth. And I got something in the Japan Pavilion. And it was like um, something like not sweet. And it had boba tea at the bottom or boba pearls at the bottom. Interesting. Uh, it was, yeah, a vodka thing. It was really good, but very, very unique. And huh. one of the specialty booths. That Wait, vodka in Japan? Yeah. It was weird. <laughs> Okay. Well, I know, yeah, they do quite a bit of like the Japanese whiskey. So why wouldn't they dip their toes in the vodka pond? Yeah, I don't know. You know, one of the things that I I didn't want to have this be a standalone option because I truly don't think it is a absolute must do for me. However, but uh, there was a moment, I think it was when you we were at Epcot and Ray really wanted to go on It's a Small World. So you took her over to Magic Kingdom to do that. Oh, yes. And I and I had some time to myself. And I think you've previously oh, mentioned yes. on the, the podcast that I'd found a delicious bourbon barrel beer that I really, really loved. One of my favorite moments of that trip, and it was so ridiculous, was just getting that bourbon barrel aged uh beer and finding a place to sit in the America Pavilion 
and watching, you know, they have the the whole giant stage there where they do, you know, they have bands and singers oh, yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was like random people from Broadway doing whatever hits from like, you know, Newsies or whatever shows that they were oh, in. Oh, yes. And it was so cheesy and ridiculous. But oh. I mean, also talented people performing. And it was just kind of, kind of fun to just sit back and be like, I would never go out of my way to watch this like in real life. But sitting here right now in the American Pavilion watching these people, you know, tourists go by and, and listening to these ridiculous Broadway singers just like, you know, relive their glory days on stage. It's yeah, you can't beat that. <laughs> you probably got better the more bourbon barreled beers that you were into. Sure too. didn't hurt. That's for sure. That's that's the core of this, right? <laughs> Disney is about embracing the cheesiness. Like just embrace it. Yep. Be happy with it. If you can't be happy with it, maybe grab a couple more beers and then you'll get happy with it. But yes, just enjoy the cheesy Broadway, off-Broadway singers singing something from Tarzan or Aladdin or whatever it is. You're going to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, By the way, it's 11 pavilions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I need to now tell you what those 11 were. Please. They are Canada, UK, France, Morocco, Japan, United States. Italy, Germany, China, Norway, and Mexico. Okay. I feel like there's one that is not quite a pavilion, but feels like it's like Africa. It was going to be something. Yeah. It's like in between, oh gosh, is it Norway and Mexico or so? It's somewhere in that area. It's definitely after Mexico if you're like coming from that side of things. And it's like an Africa, it's a light Africa vibe because they've got the like drums that you can hit and they usually are playing some sort of African music yeah but it's definitely like just kind of a no man's land right there yeah i feel like there's there's a story about like they were going to put a specific pavilion there and for whatever reason like talks with that government didn't go through or something and yeah yeah i'm sure somebody probably out there listening is like i I know the story but i think you're right yeah okay well that was kind of the same. So go ahead. You can do another one. Oh, I can do another one. Okay. Well, because I had the same thing. Drinking at least a new drink at Epcot. That's All a right, must well, do. I'm not trying to take your turn here, but uh, let's see. Okay. Oh, here's here's my next one. And this may be on your list. Hopefully it's not, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is. But especially now that uh, one iteration of this attraction exists in Florida and a different iteration of it now exists in California, one of my absolute must do's, and I only discovered this doing it in our last trip to Orlando. It was the Tower of Terror. Oh, it's not on my list, but it should be. Right. Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. I mean, look, we all know it was a great ride unto itself. You know, it's it, it was an instant classic for good reason. Mm-hmm. And out here in California, you know, they changed it over to the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, Mission Breakout. And rightly so, oh. everybody, including the two of us, we were so good. It's yeah, so good out here. It is so good. But we I remember, were hesitant. We did not want to like it. Exactly. I remember even when I heard about it, I was like, I love Guardians of the Galaxy, but I also love Tower of Terror. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you remember that moment where we went on it the first time and came off. And Oh, I was so mad. I was so mad that they had done this. And then I wrote it and I was like, oh, this is so good. We're immediately made believers because yep. it, it is. It's so good. Like, yep. it's, it's not drastically different, but it is so much fun. And well, Rye, you and I watched that behind the attraction the other day, and I think it was Joe Rody, of oh, course, Joe Rody, um, who said it the best that he was like, we switched up the like uh, core emotion because Tower of Terror, the core emotion you're feeling is fear, like, right. oh no, we're getting on this elevator, it's going to plummet to our doom. And he's like, what happens if you were to swap it and make it really fun and your emotion is really exciting? Yeah, so you're screaming, but with more laughter than terror. Yeah. And and he definitely 
You nailed it. Accomplished that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But that being said, being in Florida and going on the classic version, and again, the ride system is a little bit different there. Anybody who's been on both knows that there's a bit more pre-show in Florida before the actual, you know, drop happens. And plus just kind of being back in like the old Hollywood Tower Hotel with the cobwebs everywhere and like the sort yeah. of macabre vibe. And, and you know, of course, I've always been a huge fan of just the bellhops. Oh, my gosh. I, I, yes. I think I might have even mentioned back when we were talking about working there, like that was one of the jobs I would have picked for myself. Yeah. It was, you know, being one of those creepy bellhops. And yeah, it was just so much fun being in that original vibe again and and doing the yeah. ride where like the intent is to scare you and it does I, so well. I agree. I mean, that ride is so great and it is it's so original now and I love that they are different. I'm happy that the Tower of Terror exists in Florida. Same. And though you just said it, it's very macabre. It's different than the setup that it was at California Adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, here, it really does feel like you're going into a hotel. The grounds are much more landscapey. Mm. Um, it looks to me, and I, this is also on my LA bucket list or my what I want to do is. Um, it looks to me like Chateau Marmont. It looks a lot like sure. that. From the parts that I've seen of the chateau, it really looks a lot like a old Hollywood you know, hotel. Yeah, so. they, they had to have taken some inspiration from that. And look, we, uh, a while back, when we first moved to Los Angeles, had a had a friend that actually lived in the Hollywood Tower. Yep. And I remember thinking, like, how cool it was. That, like, oh, the building that inspired uh, that ride. You know, we're, we're in there now. And I think it did to some degree, but I think even more so, they probably took some cues from For Chateau sure. Marmont. I think they only got the name from our friend's apartment. Yeah. But, yeah. It was great to be in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, cool. Well, I like that one. Okay, so another one of mine. This, again, if you've listened to any bit of this podcast, you know how I'm going to feel about this. And this is not even the fact that I have been working as a travel agent, but this is just like a absolute must do. This really should be my number one. When you're going to Florida, you're going to Disney World, you stay on property. Mm. That's a must do. I understand some people want to try to save some money and maybe get an Airbnb and such. But for me, I want to be fully immersed in the world of Disney, be in that bubble. And there's no better way of doing that than staying on Disney property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you and I have stayed at everything from value to deluxe. I have zero complaints. And we've even stayed at All Star Sports. I mean, that one's pretty rough, but I still liked it. It's rough in the context of Disney hotels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all really great. You can't go wrong with any of them. Um, You know, some based off of your family's needs will be better than others. But really, truly, they are so immersive and so fun just to be there. So I love staying there. I don't know about you, but. Yeah, I mean, they all have their own flavor and their own style and their own vibe and and. They're just impeccably designed and laid out, and they really have the whole experience in mind. In fact, one thing that I I think I meant to bring up, you know, the last time I was really talking in depth with you guys was when I was working at the Saratoga Springs Resort, Mm -hmm. they did a training exercise because they really want you to know everything that the place has to offer pretty exhaustively. And I remember one of the the exercises they had us do was to sit down, take a few minutes, look at everything that was available literally in just that resort, Saratoga mm-hmm. Springs, and plan a whole day for a family that wasn't leaving the resort. And at first I was thinking, oh, man, that's going to be so tough to do. I had it done in like five minutes. Yeah. There's, there's so, so much. much to do at 
all of these resorts. I mean, there's spas, there's pools, they've got a ton of shopping. I mean, if you went to the boardwalk, my goodness, you've mm -hmm. got like all the entertainment right there. All of them are different. And I would say to that point, like, Staying at different hotels of any status, valued, moderate, or deluxe, you're going to have a different memory from that trip. So mm. I think it's important not to stay at the same hotel every time. Sure. Um, you know, we've stayed at Animal Kingdom Lodge, which I know has been our favorite, but I've got a great memory of staying at the boardwalk with my dear friend Michelle. Um, even the pop century with my mom one time, like they're all fantastic memories. And every time I think of those hotels, I remember that trip. Right. So that's almost my hot tip to you guys is mix it up. You know, they like you to stay at the same hotel, especially if you're in the DVC, you kind of have to. But if you're not part of the Disney Vacation Club, then go and stay at all of the different hotels when you can. They're going to create such special different memories. Yeah, it's going to give each individual stay its own sort of color and vibe. 100%. Yeah. All right. How about you? You're up. Okay. Well, actually, that seeks pretty well into my next one, uh, which would be it's kind of a combo platter. Uh, the entry point would be ride the monorail. Of course. I knew this was going to be on your list. <laughs> your must do is always the monorail. Look, I love a good monorail. I love, you know what? This is going back to, you know, our roots growing up in Washington State. I remember reading that. Uh, uh, reality well, land reality land i remember reading that book and learning that the company that created the like actual structure for the monorail track was based out of tacoma washington yes. and also they got hired because they had previously built a monorail track in seattle for the seattle world's fair right mm -hmm. so that's fun the monorail i mean it's just i just love it it's i know it makes it reminds me of just being a kid I, and i just think they're so cool zooming around uh, you know, the properties and especially because at Disney World in particular, like, yeah, they have them out here in California, but I mean, they're pretty limited. They don't go a ton of places. It's a pretty short it's, ride. Yeah. Ray loves it, which I love that she loves it. I am super into, you know, writing it at the top of our visits every time we go to Disneyland. But the really cool thing about the monorail in Disney World is that you can get pretty much anywhere on the property using the monorail system. Yeah. And that actually brings me to my next point, which like I said, sort of is a good segue from your previous pick is because the monorails do go to so many properties. It's a really cool way to do what I've heard you refer to as resort hopping. Yeah. And, and I think that's such a cool thing about the Disney resorts is that even if you're not staying at one in particular, you could still go visit it. And there are so many cool things to do at all of those resorts. Like one of the, you know, the coolest things that we did on our last trip was when we weren't in the parks doing rides and, you know, watching shows or seeing attractions is we went to, you know, the Riviera or we went to the Polynesian and yes. just kind of got to get a flavor of what they have there. And yeah, it's so cool to see the different layouts and see, you know, oh, maybe we want to stay there next time and yeah. do that. Cool when thing. we win the lottery, we're going to stay at the Riviera for sure. sure. Yeah, um, yeah, one of my favorite memories was we went to the Polynesian and we ate dinner there and it mm -hmm. was really cute. Ray like literally rolled around the fake <laughs> grass in front of the pool area she for an trend. hour. She, she is a trend setter, guys. <laughs> she was like just rolling. I mean, this is a five-year-old just rolling on, on the fake turf and she was having the best time. And like one kid joined her like 10 minutes in and then before I knew it, there were like five kids just rolling around all these other parents are like, uh, what's happening? But I was like, just let it happen. They're yep. having a grand old time. So it was cute with all the tiki torches everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I a big fan of the monorails out there. They are actual modes of transportation. Yeah. And same thing you just said. I love the Pacific Northwest routes to it. I think there was some story also in that book 
about how they had some of it manufactured in the Pacific Northwest and then they had to transport it by vehicle down to Florida. And I think somewhere down south of the Mississippi, one of the monorail tracks like tipped over and it cost the company a huge fortune because they it like fell into a ditch, like a big piece of the um, of the track. I I don't remember that, but I I believe it. Yeah, those things are pretty massive. I could see how that could happen. Totally. I like that one. That's good. Oh, oh, well, real quick. Do you also want to tell them that you drove the monorail once? That is also true. I mean, that that only adds to my love for it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. When we, when we were working there, I did get a uh, very brief opportunity to pilot the uh, the Monorail, Monorail Red specifically, because we had a good buddy who was one of the managers there. And we were just excited to be in the front car of the Monorail. Yeah. And he knew how much I had this like, you know, cheesy love for it. And I remember after we'd taken off from, I think it was Epcot to Magic Kingdom or vice versa. I can't remember which. But it was Epcot because I had been working. I was friends with Alice that day. You mm. came and saw me. That was a really fun day. It was a really hot day. It was a very hot day. Yeah. You and Evan, who's also been on the podcast, came and saw me in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then after my set was done, it was my last set for the day, I changed, got into the parks, met up with you guys, and we rode the monorail. And that's where you got to drive it. Yeah. I remember, yeah, sitting there. And he looked at me and he's like, hey, Ryan, you want to drive? I was like, what? What? Get in there. I sat down in the in the driver's seat or the pilot seat. I'm not sure what they call it. And he basically told me, he's like, this is to go faster. This is to, to break. And I drove it from Epcot to Magic Kingdom. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you also got to make an announcement over the loudspeaker. I think I did, yeah. I think you got to say, like, approaching like, Magic ladies Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Monorail Red. We are now approaching Magic Kingdom. And what a time. Also, <laughs> this was not something – we are not going to share that person's name because I think he still works at Disney. This oh, was not, not a thing that people, that a regular guest gets to do. This was a specialty cast member thing. I don't even think they let people in the nose of the vehicles any longer. Probably not these days, no. So this was 2008, folks. Different time. Different world we were living in. Yep, yep. Okay, another one of mine, one of my must-dos every time we go to Disney World is because they have so much great food at Disney World Mm -hmm. um, and just so many options that I want to always try a new sit-down restaurant every visit. And that's not hard to do because there's always new ones popping up. Sure. Um, But, yeah, that's a must-do. I always book us something different, something that we've never had before. And this last trip that we did in January, we tried two new restaurants. I think we tried a couple of new restaurants but the two that stuck out in my head that we'd never been to was Sanaa at the Animal Kingdom Kadani yes. Village. This was incredible. We were like dining just feet away from all of these incredible animals. The food was delicious. Pretty amazing. Yeah. I loved it. And then the other one, you just mentioned the Riviera Resort, Topolino's Terrace. That character meal was oh, unbeatable. I mean, the food and the view, really. I mean... That's a and combo. the characters. And the characters, too. Yeah. I mean, that all, all of that together creates an experience that I think is worth going there almost, dare I say, just for that. But Yeah. And look, I think it's also good to have your favorites and go back to those restaurants mm-hmm. every once in a while. But don't just exclusively eat at the same restaurants. Go and try something new because you will not be disappointed unless it's Tony's Town Square. You Then you'll be disappointed. Just skip that one. Yeah. No, there's so much there. And, and it's impossible to do it all. In fact... I mean, I've I've told people so many times over the years that like during the period of time that we did work there, like, oh, you must have gotten so tired of being there on the property. And it's like, no, we, we lived there for what, six months or something like that. And we didn't even barely scratch the surface of all of the things that there are to do. There. Oh, yeah. 
And do you remember like we used to do date nights in Epcot and stuff? Oh, like, for sure. We were also poor. We were cast members and we didn't have a lot of money. We were 21 years old. We're stuck in the Disney bubble. So we weren't making reservations at any of the sit down places. We were just going up to the pizza booths and such. So that's that's what we were doing. But those were our date nights. And it was really special. Yeah, that was very cool. And really like. Even though, yeah, we did it sort of, I guess, out of necessity because we were poor college students making, you know, less than minimum wage because we were technically interns there. Also, like, at the same time, it's like it was kind of a privileged place to be because there are people that work their whole lives to go there like once. And we were just hanging out there every night because we have a free bus that can take us there and we don't have to pay to get in. So So cool. Yeah, it, it was a it was a perfect time in our lives to do that and a pretty cool thing to do. Truly, I would tell anybody who's a Disney fan and in college to do the college program. It's not going to hurt you. It's only going to benefit you. We've said this before, but I can't tell you how many times people have picked that out of a resume. I don't even put Disney on my resume now, but for so many years, I would be applying to things that were completely irrelevant to my time at Disney. And everyone would pick that out and be like, you worked at Disney? What'd you do? Tell Mm -hmm. us everything. So. It is worth it for that. It is worth it just for the experience. It's just a great time. Absolutely. I've gotten that called out on my resume so many times. I think the only time that I specifically didn't put it on there, I think I was applying for another internship at a very cool like indie record label. Oh, I and know I which like, one you I was like, oh, I can't let them know that I that I worked for the mouse. That would ruin any any street cred I have here. <laughs> that was right after. It was immediately after. In in the Pacific Northwest, in the grunge capital of uh-huh, the world. Uh-huh. Like you're you're like working at one of the top grunge record labels that was like started that kind of movement. And yeah. you're like, yeah, I'm not gonna mention that I was working at Disney six months ago. In fact, it was funny because I, I ended up doing that internship and it was like toward the end I'd finally told some of the guys there that, oh yeah, I worked at Disney World. And they were fascinated. Like when I went out to lunch with them, they were just just hammering me with questions. It was like the coolest <laughs> thing they ever heard. I was like, oh, maybe I, maybe I should have led with that, but but no, it's true. Like just having that on your resume. I mean, I've 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 gotten so many interviews in the you know what decade plus since then. That, it's so true. Yeah. Okay. What is your next one? Oh, uh, my next one. Okay, let's see. Uh, okay, going to uh, this is a bit more of an attraction, and I mean, this could change with the technology and the you know things that they are continually building there. But I will say when they initially announced this land, not even this attraction in particular, when they announced the land, I remember being like, really? And it's uh, in Animal Kingdom, the Avatar. Oh, okay, Yeah. Uh, So like the movie Avatar. Yeah, it's fine. Cool. Whatever. I mean, it's a visually stunning movie and story wise. I mean, it's Fern Gully. Sure. And apparently uh, what's his name? Chris. Uh, James Cameron. James Cameron. James Cameron has been threatening for so long. Uh, I'm going to make seven more of them. Like, literally, who's asking for that? Nobody. But, right. So, yeah, when I heard they were doing an Avatar land, I was like, oh, really? But, of course, it's Disney. So, I knew that whatever it ended up being was going to be fantastic, which it is. But, specifically, within Avatar land, uh, I don't even know if that's the proper name of it. Pandora. Oh, Pandora, of course. <laughs> but they have uh, the attraction Flight of Passage. Yes. And honestly, for my money at this moment in time, I think that is maybe one of, if not the coolest attraction they have there. I agree. I think it is it, it is so cool. It like really brings almost a tear to my eye when I ride it. It's hmm. so fun and it's so cool. 
And I don't want to spoil any of it. And I know I'm about to do a girlfriend's trip out this spring. Right. And I cannot wait to take my friends on it. But I do not want to say a lick of what it actually is because it's amazing. It's an amazing ride. It is, to me, on the same level as Rise of the Resistance in, in Galaxy's Edge, only in that they both evoke so much emotion from me and I'm not expecting it. Right. I Rise... It edges out just a little bit because I love Star Wars, but this one is like so close for me. Like they are so close Mm -hmm. in in neck and neck. Um, And because we don't go to Florida nearly as often, obviously, as we do Disneyland, I'm always about going on that ride. So I agree with you. That's a must do. Pay for the lightning lane. I hate that we have to do that now, but like. If you have to pay 10 or 15 bucks for that ride, I, I think, think it is well worth it. I think it is too. That being said, it is one of those attractions that features one of those things that I think Disney has gotten very good at, especially over the last like 20 or so years, which is if you do stand in line and the line is long, they have done such an amazing job with the queue and making it so like engaging and interesting. Uh, so, I mean, this last time, like you mentioned, we did Lightning Lane, so it was a, not an issue. We just got right onto the, the the ride. But the previous time that we visited, we did stand in line. I mean, you you make your way through kind of like it starts in like this crazy like alien forest. And then you're in like this cave structure. And then you make it into like uh, the laboratory uh, yeah. and all that. And you see one of these uh, Navi, I think they're called, yep. Avatar guys like floating in this pool of water. And and. Yeah, it is really, really cool just to take all of that in the first time. And so if you end up not doing the lightning lane, you're still going to be entertained for like <laughs> the you, 120 minutes that you're in line or whatever it is. But yeah, it's just such a cool, cool ride. Do you also want to mention that, you know, somebody who's a voice in that ride? Well, I was going to say, yeah, just as like an added bonus, you know, working in the voiceover world. The first time I did it, uh, you know, it, you get to a certain point where they start to kind of like sort you into your different, uh, you know, uh, groups that yeah, yeah, your pods, your groups that are going to end up going on to the, the ride itself. And there's like an automated voice that's performed by uh, Christina V, who's a voice actor I've worked with for years. And first time I heard it, I was like, oh, it's Christina. Oh, cool. Nice. She's the one who's like scanning your hands right. to make sure I can make you into an avatar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's she, awesome. Yeah, she's great. Very talented. Awesome singer. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a must do. Um, okay. For me, my last must do, I mean, I could I could make more, but I just said let's limit it to five, sure. our top five. My other one is also a ride. And I like that you were like, I got to go on Pandora's Flight of Passage. Like, I got to do something like super cool. I'm going to bring it back. I already mentioned Carousel of Progress, and it's super cheesy and lame, and I love it so much. Nothing I'm going to bring that. in maybe something that it, it probably other people who aren't fanatics would say is super lame, but I would just tell you it's the best ride at Epcot. Okay. Living with the land. Oh. I have to do living with the land every time we go. I have to see it. I have to, I love the dioramas when you're going past like all the different ecosystems and the cute little um, farmhouse. And then you get into the greenhouse and you get to see all of the plants that they're growing. And then the best is that cheesy 80s like synthesizer and oh, yeah. flute music. It's like. It's, I'm not going to lie. It's a banger. Every time I hear it. Uh, and we heard it a bajillion times on this last trip because yeah, it was Ray's favorite ride. I'm so happy. And every time I'm like, this is kind of a cool gym. Yeah, it's great. Lie. It's It is. It's. Jazz flute and synthesizer <laughs> in this like Navajo 
1989, like, popular sound of that era. And it's so cheesy. And I love it. Yeah, I love uh, it. It's a good time. And honestly, it is so cool. Like, uh, you don't think about when you're in a theme park, wonder where the food's coming from. And then you go through a ride like that and you see like, oh, they're growing so much here. And in yeah. like really industrious and kind of groundbreaking ways. And and then when you learn that that's actually, you know, provides some of the produce that they're serving in the parks, it's like, oh, man, that's. It's so cool. Yeah, it's just so neat to go through and see like all the different things they are growing. Like even like the one that stuck out to me every time we would go through the last few times is I think they're uh, growing some Carolina Reaper, which is <gasps> yes. like one of the hottest peppers on the planet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, putting hot ones fans are out there. You, you know, of the Carolina Reaper. For sure. So I'm like, but then also I'm like, what are they using that in, in the Disney park? <laughs> dishes? Like, where can I get that? I'm, right. I'm curious. I, I feel know. like there's not a lot of Carolina Reaper, uh, representation just on the menus in general, but it's true, but I'd like to see it. Oh, I love it. I love that ride so much. Um, I just want to go on it all the time and every time. And I love that it's almost always a walk on, if not like at most a 10 minute wait. I hear that lines have been getting pretty astronomically bad mm. lately. So then it becomes a whopping 20 minute sure, wait. Sure. But oh, don't miss it. If you go and you've never done this, please do it for me. Please know that it's going to be cheesy. It's not going to be anything close to Rise of the Resistance or Pandora's Flight of Passage, but you're going to still love it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really sweet little ride. And I think yeah, even when lines in general get crazy, I think not a lot of people know about it because honestly, the whole time that we lived and worked there, I don't think I did it a single time. I don't think I... Oh, there, there On goes your our own, dog. there's our dog. Uh, I don't think I did it until... Uh, we were there in, I think, 2019 with both of our families. I think that was maybe the first time I'd ever even knew it was there, let alone wrote it. Well, that's just because you must have blocked out of your memory. I did it a bunch when we were working there. Mm. I loved it then. Yeah. No, it's very cool, though. I, I really every time Ray wanted to go on it, even though we'd done it many times already, I'm like, fine, it's a relaxing little boat ride. And it's fascinating to see what they're doing. Oh, it's so good. Here's one thing I was curious about, because at the end, they're like, if you want to know more about what we do here, ask a cast member and we'll give you the walking tour. And we didn't do it. But I was like, what is that like? I have that answer. I know what that is. Oh. They have a more in-depth, like hour-long walking tour that you can do. And I've seen them even in there. Um, I think that it is a paid thing, but it's not that expensive. Hmm. I don't quote me on this. I'm going to pull it up in a second. But it is like a thing that you can do as an added experience there. And I don't think, remember you and I, Ryan did the um, caring with giants and we did at at animal kingdom. We got to go up close and see the elephants and here for an hour. We got to really hear the in-depth explanation of how they care for these beautiful creatures. It was really special. So cool. Yeah. I think this is the same thing for living with the land. It's like about that amount of time. And I think it was only 30 bucks when you and I did the caring for giants per mm-hmm. person. I think this is around that same price tag. Okay. Did you have any others? Any other must-dos? Any other well, what that that's about four and four, yeah. That was five for me. Okay, so then uh I guess that brings me to my last one, which I have a few different options because like I said, I picked more than five just so I'd make sure we wouldn't be overlapped. Uh so let's see. Let me quickly scan through my list here and decide what I think is is worthy oh. of being number 5 for me here. Well, while you do that, I will tell you the walking tour is called Behind the Seeds. Uh 
so cheesy. I love it. And I was so dead on. It's $29 per adult and $29 per child. It is a hour-long walking tour. Um, they You visit four greenhouses and the fish farm. Uh, you get just an in-depth look at all of what you see on the boat ride. Hmm. I definitely want to do this. It says it's temporarily unavailable right now. So mm. maybe next time. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll be curious to see if when you go with the ladies, if it's available. And then if you uh, can rope them into joining you. Oh, I'm sure I can. I'm confident I can. <laughs> Everybody loves a good educational lesson. You know what? I'm going to predict fan favorite Kim will be 1000%. In yeah. Oh, Fan favorite Sierra Jones will not be interested in in this. She will be like, I only need to do this ride once and I'm good. <laughs> and Kim will be like, I want to do the walking tour, 30 bucks. Great. Let's do it. I have a feeling like by the end of it, she would be leading the walking tour. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's my number five. Again, no particular order. So this is, again, kind of a two-parter. Number one, Kilimanjaro Safari at Animal <gasps> Kingdom. I almost put that on my list. I put Living with the Land instead, but Kilimanjaro Safaris was like my other must-do ride. Right. I mean, look, if you're making your way all the way to Disney World, especially if you're getting into Disney's Animal Kingdom, that's kind of the crown jewel of that park is the fact that like, well, first of all, it's the largest park as far as like square acreage or however you measure that. It's the largest park of all of the parks down there. And you may not feel that way if you're just in it and going from ride to ride or whatever. But the reason it's the largest park in the entire property is because they have this gigantic amount of land allotted for safari tour and to take care of all of these animals. And so it's, you know, you're in Florida, you're at Disney World, you're in a city in the United States. This is probably the only place that you're going to be able to see actual like African animals in an environment that is somewhat similar to where they would actually live on planet earth. Yeah. And my addition to that is that the best thing to do, and we thankfully experienced this because, you know, you're an early riser and we have a child that gets up early, but you got to get there pretty much first thing in the morning. Well, yes, I agree with everything. I just had to Google it. Um, Animal Kingdom is 500 acres and it's the largest theme park that Disney owns. Magic Kingdom is 142 acres. So if okay. that gives you any indication of a sure. difference and that's Magic Kingdom, like that's still pretty big compared mm-hmm. to even Disneyland. So Animal Kingdom is massive. I fully agree. They created this really with the centerpiece to be the safari. Right. And you can't not go to Disney World and not do the safari. It's the single best ride at Animal Kingdom, even over Flight of Passage in the sense that you're getting to see real animals Mm -hmm. up close. It's so incredible. You really can't beat it. And yes, go early. My hot tip, this is what you and I did. If you have Disney Genie Plus, Get that ride as your first choice so that you can go on earlier in the day because the animals are most out mm-hmm. they're earlier. Just waking up, they're just getting their day started. They're active, they're out, and they're easy yeah. to see. And it's so great. But the second part to that, the add on, this isn't necessarily a must do because it is kind of a special thing. But going back to our honeymoon, we did the uh, the special oh, tour, and I wrote I down the name this. of it, the Wild Africa Trek, I believe yes. it was called. Yes. It's not cheap. No. It is It is like, I think, 150 bucks a person. So what Ryan's about to explain, know that you're basically paying for like more than an extra ticket if this is something you want to do. 
I think it is well worth doing it at least once, if not a couple of times in your lifetime. Yeah. So basically we showed up in the morning and, you know, they set us up with a, with a tour guide and we had our own special little, well, not little, it was a pretty big Jeep that we got in and they pretty much showed us all of the behind the scenes, like how they care for the animals. And then they took us to each little part of the Savannah where the animals are. And you get this really great, like up close look at all of them. Like partway through the day, there was a little picnic lunch or literally sitting there eating lunch and there's just giraffes hanging out oh, next to us. It was magical. What also we should mention is there's only like 20 people on this tour and you have like two if or three that. guides. Yeah, it was really small. Uh, you walk across an alligator pit, which might terrify everybody, but they have you strapped and harnessed into this like, you know, this walkway. Yeah, um, it, it's literally like a wooden rope bridge that goes over where the alligators are. So you're on this bridge looking down to a literal pit of alligators. Yep. And you know what? When we were there uh, a month or two ago, when we were just riding the general Kilimanjaro safari, when we got to the part where the alligators were, I looked up and I saw that little rope bridge and I was like, oh, I remember crossing that. Yes. So whether you do the uh, Africa trek or not, take a look at that and just imagine. Yeah. It's it's amazing. I cannot recommend the Africa Trek enough to people. It's like so incredible. They feed you. They feed you some really cool foods. Um, they also have a photographer with you the right. entire time. So they're like, don't worry about pulling out your cell phones. We don't want you dropping them in the alligator pit or whatever. <laughs> uh, so just keep those away. We'll take the photos. And then you get them all as part of the package of, of what you've paid for. And so I think when we got back, we had like 200 photos from mm -hmm. this. And there's this adorable photo that I love of myself like on I sound so conceited, but I love it of myself. Best I'm, photo ever. I'm in like a little safari outfit and I am walking that specific alligator bridge, rickety bridge. And it looks so cool. I look like a badass. So <laughs> I yeah. love that. Yeah, that was very cool. Oh, well, Ryan, that was a great list. Thank you so much for sharing. Of course. And, you know, I have some very quick honorable mentions. I, I want to hear. I just want to uh, put out there. First one I thought of, and I, I didn't bring it up because I was like, oh, you can do that at both parks okay it's one that we don't do a lot because ray's not into indoor rides right now but peter pan's flight uh-huh yes a must do um i agree it's a must do if you only go every once in a while right. to disney but i think it's more of a must do at disneyland i think it's better at disneyland than disney world along the same lines if you've never done it and if you're only in florida rise of the resistance fully agree and that they're the same ride so yes you gotta do rise of the resistance i think we just keep We've done it enough out here that I forget about it. And when we were talking about specifically Walt Disney right. World, I kind of left you off the list. But I agree with you. It is a must do. And last one I want to just honorably mention is it, it, long since past. There's no way anyone's ever going to do this again. But in the old uh, downtown Disney, which is now Disney Springs, for whatever reason, it leapt to my mind. One night we went to the Adventurers Club. R.I.P. Ryan, why would you bring that up? That's not a must do. It's not That's a must a do. That's a nobody can do. It's a nobody can do. But I'm just like, oh, wow, that was so much fun. and such a weird little, little <laughs> thing. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. Now we're just going down a nostalgic yeah. like path. Downtown Disney doesn't even exist. Nope, They've sure got doesn't. Disney Springs. Well, that's the thing. I was trying to think of, like outside of like the parks and stuff. And I mean, I, you know, obviously there's the water parks that still exist. But I was trying to think of like. The, you know, downtown Disney or Disney Springs property and like I, Disney Springs, I really don't know at all. 
and especially like last time we went, we kept thinking that we'd get there for a day or so. But yeah. We were so busy. We didn't even. We hit didn't it once. go. And I don't know if I'm going to push us to go this next time. I think Disney Springs is great, but I don't need it. I'm not a big merchandise shopper type person. The restaurants there are great. I know that they also have great ones in the parks. Like, yeah. I don't need to make an entire trek over there. It is much days. more like shopping oriented than I think it was before when it was still downtown Disney, which yeah. I mean, I guess it's cool if that's what people want. But, uh, you know, my memory of going to those fun little, you know, night hangs that is not. Yeah. Not yeah. as much of a thing these days, but that's all right. You know, it's always evolving. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, thank you, Ryan, for joining us and telling us your must do's. I hope you all liked our must do's. I think that we could probably have come up with 20 more if we really sat here for Pretty a second. Easily, yeah. <laughs> but um, yes, let us know. Uh, we'll post some pictures. I got to post the photo of you now on the monorail. Because sure. <laughs> driving the monorail, because now we've told that story. Um, but let us know on social media. Tell us what are some of your must do's. And you also know if you're looking to book a trip, you can always reach out to me. You can find us on gendpod.com or you can find our Instagram. I will get you a free quote for any of the parks that you're looking to go to. Um, and I guess we'll throw this to Adam and, and Kurt. It's up to them now to tell us if their must do's equate to the same as ours. Yeah. Beat that guys. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, thank you again for listening and have a great rest of your week. Yeah, enjoy. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.